0: Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, we talk about the Udine and Khan's lineup, Girls 2 to start shooting in June, uh, more news about 10 years, plus we have a League of Gods teaser trailer, and we cover the newest film from director Fire Lee, Robbery. Hello and welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. I'm your host, Paul Fox, and coming to us from his news desk behind the cold drink section in a convenience store is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hey there, Paul. Hello, uh, sir. How's it going? Going well, going well. You sound like you have a little small case of the sniffles. You feeling all right?
1: Yeah, no, just the uh, the nasal allergies. I've, I've had this for years. Uh, so, so yeah, no, it's this typical attack, uh, nasal allergy attack. Um, so it sounded a little sexier than mm-hmm. <laughs> usual. This yes, time. indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, and yes, yes. Very yes.
0: white voice going on there. That's right. uh, is this, is this a seasonal thing for you or does it just come, you know, uh, whenever it feels like coming?
1: Yeah. Seasonal means all four seasons. Yeah. Then yeah, it's seasonal. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no so. it happens all the time okay yeah, okay that's how it is. well we do hope that you are feeling better soon um we've got some stuff to talk about of course we have friends who are off to the far places unfortunately i am not among them and uh, i think you're staying here at home this year aren't you yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm staying I'm, i've never still haven't been to the festival even though i actually do have uh some contributions to the festival this year um but i am not going this year
0: yeah, so the festival of which we speak is, of course, Udine, the Far East Asian Film Festival, which is happening. I think uh, later this week it starts, right? Uh, That's right. And um, so we have a, you know, we send those some people here in Hong Kong who end up um, doing some work there and traveling there. So we wish them safe travels. But yeah, we are here to talk about movies, and we got a lot of movie news to, to talk about this week. So let me throw it over to Kevin officially at the news desk for this week's news. <laughs>
1: All right, over here at the news desk, a couple of things to talk about. We first start off with some film festival news, looking at uh, two of the sort of big, at least for Asian cinema, the big festivals over there in Europe uh, happening in April and May. Of course, the first thing we talk about is Udine, the Far East Film Festival, the 18th edition. It's starting on April 22nd, which would be... Be a Friday, Friday, night? No, yeah, Friday night over there in Italy. Kind of interesting this year. They they Usually there isn't really a split between a competition and non-competition films. Essentially most of the films that play there are, except I guess for the classics, are eligible for um, what they call the Audience Award. But this year they sort of did things a little differently. Um, they did set a so-called competition section, which is essentially most of the lineup, and a whole section of uh, additional films that are not within the, the so-called competition lineup. So, um, let's go through it uh, real quickly. Udine has been one of the sort of biggest champion of Hong Kong cinema. And <clears throat> we can see that from the closing film, The Bodyguard, the Samuel Hung film. They have a big sort of uh, opening night film, one of the two opening night films is Trevisa, which we talked about last week, the film produced by Johnny Toe. That will be actually playing opening night alongside with uh, Korean film The Tiger, uh, which is quite excellent, by the way. It's a, it's a pretty good film. It's co- set in the colonial period about an old hunter who is was uh, forced by the Japanese to hunt down the last wild tiger in Korea. It's not really a true story, but actually the whole thing about Japanese killing the wild tiger is a true, is, is actually fact. But anyway, um, a lot of a lot of strong Chinese films, ten films from China, including Chongqing Hot Pot, which was the opening film of the Hong Kong International Film Festival, Lost in Hong Kong, uh, the the Shu film, the Shu comedy, uh, Mo Jin, The Lost Legend, which did play here in Hong Kong back in January, the um, Andy Lau film Saving Mister Wu directed by Ding Shen, and uh, the world premiere of a film called Destiny, the drama by Zhang Wei, a film that kind of got overlooked by Hong Kong audiences. It did get played here, but very, very briefly, The Dead End, the film by Chao Bao Ping. It's uh, a, a mystery thriller about three men who um, committed a very brutal murder 10 years ago and is still trying to get away with it. And there's a cop who is going after them. It's a It's quite a quite a few surprise twists it's, it's a very interesting little cop thriller um that i think is worth watching hong kong lineup a bit weak this year a bit small in addition to the bodyguard and travisa we also have it man free uh the Donnie yan film keeper of darkness the the nick churn film this will be the european premiere the mob fathers the herman yao film this will be an international premiere and weeds on fire the um the student group entry of this year's uh, First Feature Film Initiative, This is the uh, government's plan um, to fund first films by uh, young directors or first-time directors. So this Chang Chi-Fa, I think he's a graduate of Baptist University. This is uh, his first feature film. The film actually had its world premiere at the Inter- uh, Hong Kong International Film Festival, got some good reviews, and this, um the international premiere. Uh, as always, the festival has very strong Japanese and Korean uh, lineup. Japan and Korea always sort of head neck and neck in terms of the uh, audience award winner. Um, and some of the um, contenders this year include Bakuman, a the movie about the aspiring uh, manga authors. I, I thought it was quite enjoyable, so I went and played here in Hong Kong. There is Three Stories of Love, which I don't expect to win anything, but actually it's from a director named Yosuke Hashiguchi. Uh, he's uh, not a very prolific director, but he's a very indie director, and he usually takes a long time between films. His last film was All Around Us, which I actually count as a personal favorite, and this is his latest film, and, and I really, really wanted to see this one. The Korean selections, I've seen actually a few already. Assassination, the Choi Don hun film starring Gianna June about a uh, team of assassins in the uh, Japanese occupation era. A huge, huge blockbuster. The exclusive, Beat the Devil's Tattoo, a um, sort of a mystery comedy thriller uh, about journalists who gets a, a fake insider tip on a murder case and sort of has to cover his tracks along the way because of it. Played on actually Cathay Pacific, I think it's still playing on board, so I got to see it. Um, it's quite. It's quite surprising. Uh, it's quite enjoyable. The priest, a um, psychological uh, exorcism thriller, that was uh, a huge hit back in uh, a couple months ago. Inside Men, the um, political thriller um, that stars, uh, it was a comeback of Lee Bun Hun in Korea. Lee Bun Hun, you might have seen him GI Joe Two, and uh, I think uh, latest. His latest appearance—he uh, was in also in Terminator Genesis, but I think uh, I forgot what I've seen him in recently. But anyway, this is sort of his big comeback movie after his uh, uh um his scandal last year, and after Memories of the Sword flopped in Korea, this kind of became his huge comeback, and it did very very good business. Um, I saw it at the Hong Kong International Film Festival it opens today or this week here in Hong Kong, and I think it's um it's a very entertaining film. Anyway, elsewhere Taiwan actually Taiwan also a very very weak lineup this year. Only uh our times, the hit uh schoolyard romance. Um that was huge hit in Hong Kong and in Taiwan. The Tagalon, the horror film based on a, a uh urban legend. But yeah, no, it's as as always um a very interesting lineup. But interestingly, we talk about the competition and out of competition, right? Out of competition, there is a retrospective on uh, Japanese cinema that includes a very interesting line of fil- lineup of films from, like, the 70s up to the 90s, or, yeah, li- 90s, like, you have Gamera 3, uh, the, girl, the se- 83 version of The Girl Who Left Through Time, House, the section is called Alternative Futures and Fantasy in Japanese Cinema, so I assume it's some kind of uh, retrospective about these, you know, very surreal Japanese fantasy films. Also, outside of competition are three documentaries, uh, The Cambodian Space Project, Not Easy Rock and Roll, Um, The Lover and the Despot, which I guess is a UK film, Reach for the Sky, it's a South Korea-Belgium co-production. There's also a retrospective called China Now, which has four, I guess, sort of older Chinese films that are still worth watching, I suppose. One of which is Egg and Stone, which I've heard quite good things about. Interestingly, there's a section called info screening, which I guess I'm not sure why or what the what the motivation behind it is. But anyway, ten years it, the Hong Kong film is listed under info screening instead of under um, a competition. It's a European premiere. That is sort of one thing that I'm a little confused about. But anyway, um, there's also this year they're also holding a, a film market for the first time. There will be additional market screenings, but. That's in a very industry insider thing and and honestly, I'm not quite sure why the festival is is uh what 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 films will be will be, will be screened there, but we will talk more about that i guess when um friend of the show Tim youngs uh, comes back from UNE. he is a consultant uh, for the festival and yeah we I guess we'll talk to him further when he comes back yes indeed yeah um any anything on lineup that you haven't seen that you sound like you know sounds like something that you would like to see paul
0: um I haven't seen our times yet. And uh, that's one that's on my to-watch list. I need to, to, to go ahead <laughs> and get that. And i uh, kind of anxious to see that. In part because it makes reference, of course, to a, a, a very specific uh, Hong Kong idol. Yeah, lots of Andy Lau references in yeah. that film. Yeah. yeah, So that's a big one. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to see that they're uh, giving Gamera some love too. Gamera free. Not even Gamera 1 <laughs> or 2. It's free.
1: <laughs> it's the revenge of Iris Paul. Mm, revenge of iris don't think iris deserves revenge i think iris deserves
0: and and he gets some too from what i remember right lots of lots of gamma blood splurting from what i recall damn straight
1: (laughs) all right let's 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 fly over to france because after Can. Is, oh sorry after Unine, is time for Can, which I guess some people would call the quote unquote real film festival, right? Um, it is I, for personal reasons because I've been there, so I like I I sort of had to have a certain love for Can, and you know you can't really ignore that. You know, it's a it's a festival of glamour, but at the same time, I can guarantee that at least one or two of my favorite films of the year do come from Can. It's a great genre festival, and I think it. Represents what's really happening in Asia cinema than, than any other festivals out there. You know, because film festivals, they, they, the program is a very myopic sort of view. At least it's all very much a subjective point of view what they think cinema. Is and they are very much artistically inclined, and that's there's no problem with that. Like I said, I, I find I tend to find some of my favorite films of the year from a festival I can, but at the same time, I think that Udine does have a very it, it's a very comprehensive sort of overview of what is happening in Asian cinema. Look at the Japanese lineup. You have a very good mix, of cool mix of uh, a commercial film like Bakuman and and um, Flying Colors, which is a, a film about a young girl trying to, you know, pass university tests to go to K.O. University. And that's a film that, that other than, you know, Hong Kong International Film Festival, which, you know, does have, you know, a big commercial audience, um, or, you know, would, would carry. It's a, the, the film's been out since, like, I saw the film Last August at the Hong Kong National Film Festival It was out already by for some time and it this there was European premiere. It's just, so it comes to show that you know these these commercial films do deserve play outside of their home countries and UNE is a, a place where this can happen. Where else can you find like a a very interesting lineup that includes you know like I said a film like Bakuman or a film like Creepy, which was the, the in the Berlin Berlin Film Festival, and then you look look down the lineup, and there's Ola Bola, a Malaysian film, sports film uh, about soccer, right? Or you look even further down, you have Honor Thy Father, which is a film by Eric Madi, you know, a, a Filipino uh, auteur. It, it's a very diverse lineup, I would say, even more diverse than you know the really respected film festivals. But anyway, um, let's look back at France. Last year, if you remember, we have a. It, it, there was a very great Asian presence. Um, I think there was like four Korean films, um, a Japanese film, two Japanese films. One in the official competition, one in non non in the uncertain regard section. Great year! It was a great year for East Asia last year. This year, not so much, but there are some very bright points or sort of happening, you know, here and there, everywhere. Let's look at these sort of un, uh, uncertain regard the the non com well. In certain regards its own competition here. Anyway, um, let's look out first. Look outside the uh, out of competition films. Opening film, you have the Woody Allen film *Cafe Society*. I think we already know that. Amazon Studios has that film. Uh, there are a couple of Hollywood films, including uh, *The Nice Guys*, starring you know the uh, Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe film *Money Monster*, the film with George Clooney, directed by Jodie Foster, and you have the new Steven Spielberg film *The BFG*, which is so you know there will be a big Hollywood presence over there, but. Uh, Out of competition, you have Nahong Jin's The Wailing. Nahong Jin is the director of The Chaser and uh, Yellow Sea. And I think this is his first feature film since The Yellow Sea. Not sure why it's playing out of competition, because he has been in uncertain regard before. So he's kind of left out of the cold there. Another Korean film, Midnight Screening, uh, Train to Busan, the first live-action film from director Yong Sang-ho. He made The Fake. Uh, He started as an animation director. He did King of Pigs, The Fake, and his latest film is um, Soul Station. I think all three of these films are very adult-oriented and very dark animated films. Busan Station, uh, Train to Busan, is his first live-action film. And it's supposed to be set in the same universe as Soul Station. So it sounds very interesting. It's a midnight screening film. Over in Uncertain Regard, we have... um, uh, After the storm, the newest film from um, Hirokazu Koreeda. he was in competition last year with uh, our little sister. So he's back, but he sort of got dumped pushed out to uncertain regard, which is kind of weird. Another Japanese film, Koji Fukata, a very um, a indie director, very unassuming indie director who who's done a few sort of small indie films, but but do get play outside festivals. This is the first time a can with harmonium. Uh, I think the film stars Tadanobu Asano. so his first time acting, you know, directing a huge actor like that. And this is gonna be first time down in uh, in France out oh, in cannes. Uh, also in uncertain regard, um Singaporean director Bu Jun Fun, um his second film Apprentice, as in a certain regard. This is very actually a very strong year for Singapore. um surprisingly, uh, you have a film in the uncertain regard. and I think another film got announced la- yesterday at the Critics Week. Uh, sidebar which is a um, a sidebar that's only for um, directors making their first film or the second film. A Singaporean film called Yellow Bird got into that section so that's two Singaporean films this year in Cannes and I think it's sort of the bright spot of this year's uh, Cannes lineup. Jumping over to um, official competition Again, not a lot of um, uh, Asian presence last year. We had Ho Xiao Shen, the assassin, last year with Zhang Ke. So two Asian, two Chinese language in 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 the competition. This year we only have Pa Sung Wook's the Han Ming, uh, representing Asia in the competition. It is first film, his cr- first Korean language film since Thirst, which uh, did play in competition that that year, and I think won the jury prize. Uh, so a lot lot of anticipation here, but it is the only. I'm oh, sorry, not the only Asian representative. There's also uh, Berlente Mendoza. Um, again, another, another Can regular. He was in Cannes last year. In the Uncertain Regards section with another film. This year, he's back in competition with Marosa. So that's two Asian films in the official competition. Outside of that, the director's Fortnite lineup just got announced today. And only one Asian film made it again. It's an um, Indian film uh, called Super Raman, I think. Uh, or Psycho Raman. It's from a director, uh, Indian director Anurag Kashyap, which I like a lot. I'm a huge fan of his. And his latest film, uh, a serial killer thriller based on a true story uh, set in the 1960s. It is in the, in the director's Fortnite section. And uh, also you have in Critics Week, in addition to Yellow Bird, you also have Cambodian filmmaker Davy Chow's The Diamond Island. So there's absolutely no no Chinese language film this year in Cannes, which is a very, very odd sign. Um, I've heard things that uh, I've heard rumors that the Johnny Toe film 3 wasn't done in time, it's not finished in time won't be finished in time to, to go to Cannes which is why it's not included. Otherwise, uh, I haven't heard anything about why certain films did not get in or if there were other films that were cons- being considered. I think it is a sign it's almost a message being sent by the French, telling essentially all of Greater China to to shape up. Because I mean, last year you had a very strong Greater Asia presence, and this year completely none. And and even last year it was always the it was only the um, the usual directors, you know, Jia Zhangke, Hong Xiaoxian, the usual names. So I think it's very interesting that this year they sort of completely shut out Asia, or completely shut out Chinese language films this year in all three sections. And I think it's a very interesting sign. I'd hope that the entire greater China film industry would sort of start thinking. I mean, these this it is the world's biggest film festival. And like I said, people always find at least one or two of their favorite films of that year in this lineup. So they're not just picking this, this these films out of politics, and they are actually many of them are actually good films. So the fact that the the programmers from these these three festivals or three different yeah three different festivals did not seem to want to pick a Chinese language film. Um, oh, actually, no. Bu, Bu, Bu Jun Fun's Apprentice is actually le- Chinese language. So, so let me correct that. Actually, I mean a film from Taiwan, Hong Kong, or, or China. Um, I think that that's a very interesting sign of, of things happening. And um, honestly, I don't blame them. I, can't, I haven't really seen a worthy film from this region for a very long time that wasn't made by these old, old generation of directors. Interesting thing that you might be interested in, actually, Paul. Um, Amazon Studios actually have a number of films this year at the festival. So the opening film, uh, uh, um, Cafe Society, the Woody Allen film. Neon Demon, the Nicholas Winden Friend f- film. Um, uh, I think also The Handmaiden. And I'm not sure. I forget, I forget what the fourth film is. But there are four films in this year's Cannes official lineup that actually do have, are, are going to be distributed by Amazon.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I, For me, that's somewhat exciting news though i amazon's kind of been hit or miss with some of their um you know some of some of their content uh, i would say a lot of what they've been putting out as sort of original content hasn't really been for for me it really hasn't been for my demographic so much um they've got a couple really great kids shows um you know that that are right at my daughter's alley um but i tried what was the Ron Perlman thing um hand of god did you, speak, did you try that oh my gosh i was, haven't watched it oh that was so so out there and so wacky and bizarre it, it, it just lost me man in the high castle is one that i started and i just haven't been you know the the pilot wasn't enough to really sort of grab me and 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 pull me back in i do want to get back to it because i'm especially interested in sort of the the uh what happens in the pacific so if you know the story basically uh, it's a sort of what if america lost the war and then you've got the eastern side of the continent controlled by the germans and the western side over the pacific controlled by the japanese well um,
1: what, what amazon amazon well i i've seen the, the spike lee film Chirac yeah. um and i thought it's brilliant um, and i think what amazon is is very different uh, the can um uh, artistic director actually mentioned talked about this um, they asked him oh does it mean you guys are going to start taking tv and they're like and actually because Amazon has a very clear um, mandate that they do not release films online first. They actually give these films a decent theatrical run before premiering on their their video platform. So they treat what Ken, Ken said they refuse to line up any TV shows. Yeah. That's what they said already. They don't do TV. They do films. And what they do respect Amazon does is that they respect the theatrical window they allow these films to get a theatrical release before putting it on their um, online platform. So first and foremost, they're film producers, not not just you know people to fill in a online database. And and so I mean that's what that's why I guess part of that's part of the reason why there's no Netflix. Well, because Amazon has a has a development team that's more altair centric. I mean they have directors like Woody Allen, they have directors like Nicholas Winding Friend, and and they have these these. Oh, Terris, uh, Spike Lee, uh, they're much more kind of artistically. I think they're sort of like, okay, we know what market we want to do. We want to make films that get respect at the festival circuit uh, that people will go to theaters to watch when it's a limited release. Then we'll put it on on our, our our video platform for our customers. That's a very interesting this very interesting balance they're trying to strike here.
0: Yeah, I think I think it can certainly work uh, for me, just for my taste though, that's not really those aren't the things I gravitate towards. Um, And so, I mean, I really enjoy the effort that Amazon's putting forward. But for for my taste, Netflix has, you know, been killing it with regard to content and, and stuff that is really more... You know, up my alley. Now, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Netflix is not doing any mainstream films, as I understand it, right? There, well, they did, they did, but they did direct release, like Pee Wee's the new Pee Wee movie. I'm halfway through watching that. Um, well,
1: like the six film, well, they're doing the. Uh, they have a six film deal with Adam Sandler. The second film under that deal is coming soon. Um, they have um, Special Correspondent, the Ricky Gervais mm-hmm. film. They have um, a a Brad Pitt film coming, War Machine. They also uh, they're also producing Bong Joon Ho's new film, Okja. Um, it's fifty million dollar production. Hmm. Um, that I think would totally be a festival film if if festivals do do embrace uh Netflix's or they don't they don't let Netflix's model get in the way of their 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 programming. Yeah.
0: All right, got some more news about ten years, right?
1: Well, we haven't. Th- well,
0: girls, two. Let's start with girls, 2 first. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, girls, two. Yeah, now, now yeah. this is this is uh the Barbara Wong girls, not the um girls from Kenneth B which was girls with the S as a dollar sign. All
1: yeah, right, this is the uh, girls, the Barbara Wong film. Um, yeah. What, what did you think about that film, Paul? I'll let you go first in this.
0: In this it was a Barbara Wong film. <laughs> that speaks for itself. I mean, it's uh, it has her in it at a certain point. It's It's not a film that's necessarily for me. I guess uh, I, I found that the, the characters I didn't really care much about. You know, even their relationship. It was very, it was very much a soap opera. And I guess maybe that's how Barbara Wong. Yeah, you know, it, it felt like she was drawing from elements that maybe she's experienced in some way, uh, and, and maybe writing these in there because a lot. It, it was a lot of uh, segments of insidery kind of stuff, as I remember, because they were talking about doing a movie with Ang Lee and stuff and um, these kinds of things. So, I think that there were elements, you know, she's trying to put elements of things she's experienced as a female filmmaker in there, but it was... Wait, did you just, did you suggest that Robert Wong had a chance to work with Ang Lee? No, I'm just saying (laughs) that, that because that becomes, you know, it becomes this idea of trying to, you know, trying to establish relationships with professionals in the industry and some of the difficulties that, you know, women run into, you know, in these roles. And, She's pulling from things she's experienced, right? But at the same time, it's just drowning in this melodrama um, where I just didn't really care about the characters, the characters treating each other poorly, you know, the, the, this very sort of typical stuff that just kind of made me lose a lot of the interest that I initially had.
1: Sorry, that that Fiona, Fiona, um, Fiona, um, Sid, is it Fiona Sit? Yeah. yeah, that Fiona Sit character is really one of the most, one of the worst screen, one of the most conniving screen villains I've seen <laughs> in quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, like, and they totally had no idea that she is that. Like, they don't even the filmmakers don't realize that she's villainous, which is quite scary. I think she is really, seriously, one of the most con- worst conniving villains I've seen on screen. Yeah. Um and, and it seems like she'll be returning. Um Bar has been talking about on Weibo about um looking at locations. Um in Vietnam, they already casted a Vietnamese actor to play a role in the film, but I think the three original girls are coming back. And I hope that Fiona Sit will be up to no good again with more evil doings, uh, and try to destroy the friendships of her and her best friends. Mm-hmm. Which I she is like she's like the Joker of Girl Girl of Chick Flicks. Yeah. Yeah, she, and, and I'm talking. I'm not. I'm not talking about Jack Nicholson Joker. I'm talking about like Heath Ledger, watch the world burn, like, <laughs> like serious, throw a wrench into the to the world and see what happens. Kind of like villain, right? But yeah, anyway, the film It, it starts shooting in the uh, late June, I think, with a release date of I hope never. <laughs> um. So yeah, that that is happening. Consider yourself warned, people. There you go. We're getting girls too.
0: All right. And uh, new teaser trailer? Ten years. Oh, sorry, ten years? <laughs> I- I'm totally out of sync tonight. <laughs> All right.
1: Yeah, um, you know, the, the attack on ten years has sort of subsided. A lot of controversy about the winning, you know, the film winning uh, the Best Picture Award at the Hong Kong Film Awards. But um, Peter Lam, the, the media tycoon, uh, the head of Media Asia Group, um, the man who paid for Johnny Toe films and uh, other films like uh, gosh, well, recently uh, it would be Travisa, uh, She Remembers, He Forgets, um, Helios, a lot of you know your favorite Hong Kong blockbusters, um, including Inferno Affairs, actually. Um, continues to bash the win of 10 years. He um, still doesn't believe that a film made for only 500000 Hong Kong dollars should deserve to win an award. Um, he continues to defend his criticism um, on a news interview uh, recently. He said, "If a what would you think if a wonton noodle restaurant won the award for best restaurant in Hong Kong?" Saying you know essentially implying not only that wonton noodles are are, are cheap, you know grassroots food that no one should no culinary expert should enjoy um and that it does not deserve to represent hong kong but you know, dude i i love wonton noodles i mean wonton noodles is represent as representative of hong kong as they come i don't understand why he thinks that wonton noodles is this cheap thing like mcdonald's fries that people should look down upon um you know but anyway so you know Peter Lam was born with Golden Spoon in his mouth. Essentially, he comes from a rich family. So, obviously, I don't think the man's had a decent bowl of wonton noodles all his life. So, I don't really blame him. But, yeah, it's 10 years wonton noodles, Paul. Do you like wonton noodles? Yeah, I love them. What would you feel if a wonton noodle shop becomes the best restaurant? It's called the best restaurant in Hong Kong. Point me in the direction.
0: (laughs) You know, I want to go there now. I mean... It's just such an elitist kind of thing to say when you got nothing to say. That's all it is. So some people said it's sour grapes. I don't know. I don't know what his motivation is if he's sad cuz he, you know, his films didn't win or he really thinks that to be excellent something has to have tons and tons of money stuffed up the uh, economic rectum of it. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Well, of course he also has to
1: sort of keep his businesses in China going by Continuing the assault on this film that is not allowed and that that China doesn't like, so so he also kind of has that kind of motivation. I think
0: it's just so political. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Every, didn't we already conclude last week that everything is political? Everything's political. Everything is political. You know, whether it's your bag at the airport or on uh, indie film, it's gonna be political.
1: Like that line in uh in the The mob <laughs> fathers you know, even buying onions at a grocery, even buying you know. Buy food at a grocery store is is political. Yeah, these days. yeah, yeah. Everything's
0: political. Okay, and now we move on to <laughs> finally the teaser, teaser for trailer. The trailer of God. Have you seen this trailer yet, Paul? I have not. I saw the I saw a link to it. I just haven't didn't didn't have the. Uh, Don't the, worry. The, the not, courage nothing. to click. Nothing will get spoiled because
1: I, I I promise you. It's a teaser trailer that was released. I think it was shown in in China actually over New Year. Uh, it is really by all sense of the word a teaser trailer it is for a film called league of gods it is a china china star production china star is the company that was before Media Asia came along it was behind a lot of johnny toe films including you know fat choy spirit and um wu yan and and meeting you all that stuff but this is sort of their big comeback film and it's a Huge budget extravaganza, all shot on kind of green screen kind of thing. And a huge cast that includes uh, Tony leung Ka Fai, Fan Bing Beng, Jet Li, Wen Zhang, I think that's Angela Baby, uh, Louis Ku, uh, Huang Xiaoming. Um, but I don't think you get to see much of these people in the in the teaser. The 30 second teaser uh, has these sort of intro screens, um, including Louis, oh, well, it seems like Huang Xiaoming. I see uh, Wen Zhang. Uh, I see a Ball guy who is not <laughs> Louis Ku. I see Fan Ming Bang. So kind of like, oh, look at these people with lots of special effects on their bodies. And honestly, as I wrote on Twitter, yeah, it's not a video game, but I don't blame you if you think it is. It looks like honestly, that's all it is. Um, the film is supposed to come later this year. You know, I, I, I think that I don't dislike special effects films. I don't mind special effects in films. I think special effects do enhance certain films. Um, but um the way that it looks i mean it looks like these people are just covered in green things and then added in computer um I think we sort of forget the 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 spirit of of what special effects are supposed to do in cinema i don't know i i think you know i'm a bit like and of course on on a Facebook page it was posted on the love h k film facebook page, and you know most almost all the messages are 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 negative um, because they all they we see is all I see is computer effects. All they see is like video games and where is the human touch in this? Where is the human factor in all of this? Um and you know, for me it's just sort of like I don't know, should I be looking forward to this film? It just sort of reminds me of of um uh Trey Hark's uh, Legend of Zoo and I mean the one of I chan. Not the not the you know, not the zoo warriors, the good one back in the seventies or eighties. I don't know. So I don't know, Paul, what do you think about I know you like sci-fi films and you have a thing for genre films, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure you also have your stance about special effects in films. So, what do you think?
0: Yeah, it's... They're they're still not there yet, and I think that, like many films, they just tend to think they can throw money at it and, and make it look like a video game, and that'll be enough, and unfortunately, you know, put some headline stars in there. And that'll be enough. I just I just looked at the trailer uh, just now while you were introducing it and yeah, I mean it's got uh, characters we recognize like Naya and and others in it, but the it doesn't look organic, it doesn't look natural, you know. Um they got tentacles flying out of the screen and stuff and you've got uh, was it Fon Bing Bing? It looked like, like Fon Bing Bing, might have been Lee Bing Bing. One of the Bing Bings. All kind it was of fun, Bingbing. Kind of, kind of, you know, dressed up in 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 a similar getup that you've seen her wear before in TV dramas and other movies. So yeah, it's just you know, it, it's like what was the one I watched that was came out last year with um, Lee Bingbing and uh, Snow Girl Koi and Snow, Snow Girl, Girl and the and, Dark Crystal. Yeah, there you go. Which you know, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting character, but you get these these sequences which it looks like it was rendered on a ps3 and it doesn't (laughs) seem like the thing fits in the space with the human actors and so they're they're just not quite there yet they've gotten better like i said we talked about the monkey king i mean the monkey king um i think is by far probably the best merging of what they can do in at least with the technology they're working with so far once they get past that that hump maybe in two or three or four years and they start focusing on story again, then, you know, we'll get some really good stuff, I hope. Honestly, I, I think that selling a film, special effects, is like a
1: restaurant with a special dish, you know, special new dish you want to sell. And all you talk about is the plate.
0: <laughs> well, that's the problem a with it, special effects. A, you know, a lot of these high-end restaurants, that's what they do. They focus on presentation and design and, you know, but the, at the end of it, you're like, uh, I want to go to McDonald's. I'm still hungry. Right. Uh, It wasn't satisfying. So you need to find that 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 happy middle ground that, you know, serves, you know, sort of both sides. It's got good presentation, but it's also filling um, and and you feel, you know, satisfied. Speaking of trailers and and one that kind of goes in the opposite direction, we also I think between now and this time and the last time we recorded was have the release of the return of Godzilla to Japan right and a a trailer that both excites me and terrifies me at the same time because being a huge godzilla fan and seeing a rubber suit there on screen uh with you know little tanks and things shooting at it again just has me going what and they have a lot of big name actors looking very very serious and that also has me going what? You know, where's where's the where's the days when Godzilla was like, as a kids movie? I'm not saying we have to go back to the days of Minion, these kinds of things, but I was really hoping for a little bit more coming off the Hollywood Godzilla, which I think they did a really, a much better job than I expected, at least in terms of the char- the, the, the Godzilla character itself, in terms of representation and, and the way that it looked and the way that it moved, uh, especially compared with the Roland Emmerich travesty that we got back in
1: 98. No, actually I think even the old the old, you know, what we call campy Godzilla films, they're all done with a straight face. So so there's nothing wrong with doing no. Godzilla film with straight face, no,
0: I think. No, no, you get you get you get into Godzilla versus Megalon and they're doing WWF wrestling moves. That's not with a straight face. I'm sorry. That's... Well, even the human stuff are like <laughs> serious, right? I mean they're like, you know, come on, there's a huge monster. Yeah, 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 serious, yeah. Right? I mean you have to act serious, right? Yeah. I mean that's the side uh, of it. But
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even this time they even got the director of uh, Evangelion um, in as one of two directors, and of course. The other director being the director of Attack on Titan live action version,
0: they left his name off the trailer. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing, I think. Um
1: But um, yeah. but no, I, I'm most in, I, I I sort of seen some feedback from Evangelion fans. They're like, it looks like Evangelion. What the hell? <laughs> like it's not even Godzilla. <laughs> um. So that's some of the some of the feedback I've heard. I'm watching the Evangelion, so I, have no, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. But. I'm
0: not up on that. So yeah. Maybe it's a crossover. We'll have to wait and see. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for our news for this week. Let us take a short musical interlude, and we'll be back to talk about our film, Robbery. Help, I'm stepping into the twilight zone. The place is a madhouse, feels like being cloned. My beacon's been moved under moon and star. Where will I go now that I've gone too far? Help, I'm stepping into the twilight zone. The place is a madhouse, feels like being clothed. My beacon's been moved under moon and star. Where am I to go now that I've gone too far? And welcome back. Our film this week from director Fire Lee is robbery. Uh, to break down the story, the somewhat surreal tale of Lao Kin Ping, whose monotonous existence and bleak future is challenged when he accepts a job at Exceed, a 24-hour convenience store. However, over the course of a single evening, he will encounter a series of odd characters and happenings that not only will cause him to question his achievements in life, but may in fact prevent him from seeing another dawn. So if that's a somewhat enigmatic uh, uh, kind of synopsis of the film. I I, I want to be very careful because I really don't want to give too much about this film uh, away. But before we get into it, let's just talk a little bit about some of the players involved, starting with the director, Fire Lee. If you're not familiar with him, he's a fairly new director. He gave us uh, he's given us three, maybe four films in total, I think, on his filmography. Um, but the ones that most fans may know of recent years would be uh, the Gigi Lung film, Give Love from 2009 um then the film which i say has the worst ending ever is <laughs> love and time into from 2012 A I uh, i think that's a Steffi and uh, bosco joint if i remember correctly um yes and definitely that holds my title uh, up with a big super huge trophy for worst ending ever uh still to this day most um he has a lot of credits as an actor, although I don't think he's actually been a lead in anything. He usually pops up in cameos here and there. He does he's, a lot of stage work. Yeah. It's all based in stage. He's a stage director, uh, writer. Um, but with this film, and he does have a writing credit of on this film. He's not the sole writer. Um, he's with, uh, I think, two others, Frankie Tam and, and Lily Hexin. And the But I think what coming off of the two films we just talked about... Um, that here he's really showing some talent, um, and, and some some significant promise as a director, at least for the kinds of films that that I tend to enjoy. Cast wise, we have Derek Zhang uh, in his now. Now, Kevin, is this is really his first leading man style role? Derek Zhang, yeah.
1: Now that you mention,
0: because he's got a lot of credits, but I can't think of anything that where he was like actually the starring leading man. I'm yeah, you're right.
1: I think this could be his first like official leading role. I mean, yeah. he's done. Uh, I'm trying to look it through his. Um, Wait, a major role in SDU. Yeah. Or oh, that was a, that was like a more um, uh, a Chapman Toe film. Um. What else? He... Um, he's been around since, since, like, he's been around for 10 years now. Yeah. I
0: mean, he's done uh, a lot of work, but I just got the sense, and I could be missing a film or two, that this is really the first time they've given him the <laughs> reins as the, the, the sort official of lead. official yeah. lead of a role. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's um, what it sounds like, yeah, yeah. He, and he handles it quite well, I'd say. Um, we also have here, um, now... Do you know how to say this? Because she she's gone with a a kind of funny spelling for her name. It's a J period
1: Ari. She's okay. a singer. Yeah, her official J R E. She's a a singer that came out in uh, two years ago. And yeah. this, I think, it's the second film role. She was in Get Out
0: of Here. Yeah, earlier. And also, he remembers. Uh, she forgets. She has oh, a was she in that? I forgot yeah, about she has a that. credit for that. And oh. and she's in something from a couple years ago. That's apparently a Patrick Kong short that uh i never heard of it looks like it looks like an ad for lee jeans or something it's got the big (laughs) lee symbol on it but uh it was something i never heard of and i don't know if i'll be able to track it down but um so yeah she's she's new on the scene and um she sort of plays the other sort of store assistant um potential romantic interest for Derek zong's character we have philip kung here killing it again with another great performance um perhaps not as deep uh, or quite as good as, uh, when we talked about him last week in Treviso, but, uh, still really just, uh, a really big presence here on the screen. Uh, he was a, uh, but, but he's not really the biggest highlight of the film. I have to say the biggest highlight for me of this film goes to Lam Shut, who plays the store manager and his foul language accented Chinese, which is just hilarious. Um, even if you don't really understand the dialect, just his delivery, his timing, um, is is just uh, really really funny in the film. And we also have Stanley Fung, uh, Ken Lo, uh, who are both very good. Eric Kwok, uh, he shows up here. He has a scene with um, the I guess she's a Langmo pseudo model come actress Anita Choi. Um, that really kind of tries to push Category 3. This is a Category 3 film, but uh, there's no nudity. But there is some um, uh, implied sexuality that, that goes on. So, um, and it's kind of, a, so, a, again, him moving into surprising territory. He was in, uh, what was the, the horror film he was in last year? Sorry, who we talk about? Eric Kwok. Um um, the, the Gary Enfield. Gary Enfield, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the name, but it was, it was good. He had a, he had a small part in one of the anthologies. Knock, knock, uh, who's there? Knock, knock, who's there? This, thank yeah. you. I, I didn't, wasn't able to get my internet up in time. Um, so he was in knock, knock, who's there in also sort of a, you know, an odd choice for him. Uh, he's, he's branching out and taking up these, these, uh, sort of oddball roles. And he has one here that he fits very well. Uh, and he's kind of just a, a. a, a Uh, a right out bastard in the film if you pardon my French he um he uh is known here in in some circles in Hong Kong as the Hong Kong Iron Man right because he's uh he kind of has that Tony Stark goatee thing going on and uh he actually uh, one of the local food chains actually uses him as the spokesperson um which is um you know, so I see him, and he's always, like, dressed up as, as Tony Stark Iron Man. So it's good to see him kind of take on, um, you know, more of these sort of bad guy roles. Um, that, you know, or these just bad people roles, you might say, um, to sort of break that mold. This film is not what I had expected at all. Um, because coming off of Treviso last week, I thought, okay, what's this, you know, there's a movie called Robbery, Fire Lee, you know. He's, uh, you know, done some pretty straightforward films before. So this is going to be, you know, you know, your average crime thriller. And in fact, I don't want to say too much about it because if I do, I don't, you know, I don't want to run the risk of spoiling anything. But I would say that, you know, imagine Rod Serling had done an episode of The Twilight Zone set in Hong Kong. And you get a lot closer to um, the, the, the side, sort of tone of this film. And, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, of course, there's going to be more violence and more, and more swearing. And if you're like me, that makes this fall outside of the norm of the genre. And for me, that sort of hits all the buttons that I really of things I really want to see in a film. And I'm somebody who's been really getting burnt out on the whole sort of triad, um, you know, Cold War crime genre kind of stuff. Uh, of late uh, and, and i'm glad to see somebody try and take some fresh perspectives with something i mean Trevisa was a we talked about last week was a great film and it was put together very well and it was interesting because it's you know again trying to work in the confines of reality but when you've got um, you know just other films like um mob fathers and others which are you know they have their own elements to them they're all good but you're still de- dealing with very similar themes that we've just seen done to death over the years So it's nice for me to see something that's kind of pushing the genre, trying to take some risks, um, certainly doing some things that might prevent it from, you know, getting a a bigger audience in in the north, we might say. Um, So it's it's it. I was very surprised and, and I like having that feeling when I go into a film these days rather than saying, okay, I can see based on the title and the poster that this is going to be this kind of experience. And then I go in and it's exactly that kind of experience, right? So um, it's, it's nice to have a, have somebody shake things up. So the other aspect that I really liked about the film is it's visually interesting to look at. It's, it's, it's not your normal Hong Kong. It's, it's playing to the idea of the bleakness of Hong Kong. And there's a lot of sort of subtle context to some of the things going on in Hong Kong. Um, we, we talked a little bit about some of these ideas. Uh, Kevin, you know, identified quite a few of them last week with uh, the discussion on Trevisa as well. Um, and I think here visually the art direction is also one of the things that I really loved about this film. It's very very strong. This is not your normal Hong Kong. The store that, you know, basically everything sort of takes place in this, this store called exceed does not exist and it's not a place that could exist economically. It's just too big. It's an immense space. You would never see a convenience store with this much space doing so little business, right? Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's an impossible place in Hong Kong, but it still is a very interesting place in the context of, of this film. Um, and, you know, if you to think about it, it's it's like if you've ever done any traveling in the U.S. and you've hit a truck stop, you know, one of these very sort of large, supersized convenience store, eccentric truck stops with all kinds of weird things beyond just the simple convenience foods, you know, um, you know, themes up on the wall, different kinds of signage and, and you know, little toys and, and things that just sort of make it a very sort of unique place. Um, I think some people might compare this film to The Midnight After in some ways. Um, I wouldn't want to get into discussing sort of the technical merits too much between the two directors, very different styles. But I would say that despite my love of The Midnight After because of the typo setting, because I live in typo, um, so I have a little little bit of bias, I would say that for me this film has a more complete sense of narrative um, than that film and i can appreciate it uh, a bit more from that aspect Uh, this is a film that's funny but it's also dark it's not too dark Uh, it does have violence um, has some gore but it's not too gory it's enough to be effective Um, i think that uh, you know if you think of it in terms of other cat it is category 3 film as i said it's not to the level of something like Dream Home, which for me makes me feel uncomfortable and makes me less likely to want to see that film again, even though it's a great film. This has, I think, the, for me, the appropriate balance of the humor, of the gore, of the violence. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it, it's, a, it's a package that that works very, very well. It's actually also quite clever in that it's being critical of the film industry itself. There's a there's an interesting exchange where they're talking about the nature of stagnation and they're using that point as a sort of a referent to the, the film industry talking about, you know, who was your favorite star back, you know, the, you know, two decades ago. And uh, they talk about it. They, they actually, I know why they did it, but I was kind of annoyed that they did it. They, they make reference to one celebrity and then in the subtitle in, in you know, they make reference to one celebrity by name who most Hong Kong fans will recognize, I think, just from hearing it. But then, because they use the Chinese name, sort of the Chinese uh, uh, nickname, I guess, if you will. But then the the subtitled celebrity is, of course, a very famous, world-renowned Hong Kong action star that, of course, most people worldwide would know. But it's, you know, it's that disconnect. It's like, that's not really who they said, so you could have easily put that in there, but I understand why they didn't, because an international audience, that's going to have a a bit bigger of a contextual reading than the, perhaps the other character, I guess. I mean, I, we could get into an argument about that maybe, but, um the, you know, the long and the short of it, it was still a very effective scene in terms of the the sort of internal criticism that it was doing. Um, and I think that, you know, that that worked very, very well. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. I can't wait to see it again. Um, it's probably going to be a, a rush out and buy once it hits video because I'm, I'm anxious to watch it with my wife. And yeah, it's uh, it's one of those films that just hit all the right buttons for me. It's not a perfect film by, you know, I mean, I'm sure there, there are things that we can talk about. I'm sure Kevin has some things to say about it too. But uh, for me, it just worked really, really well. Kevin
1: I I experienced this film a little differently I mean I knew exactly what to expect because I I actually watched
0: a rough cut last year um yeah. and so it because this film's been out a while it actually debuted I think at the New York Asian Film Festival right in, right uh, last back year. in June or July so it's almost been a year before we've actually gotten it here in Hong Kong
1: yeah I sort of did the festival run um, so so I knew what to expect and I think the trailers themselves also sort of sort of so this as a, a category free surreal kind of um, um, wannabe cult film, I suppose, what they call a cult film, what people assume what a cult film is. I don't agree on it, but I don't want to get into that. But anyway, um, it's one of those sort of surreal films. It's very stagey. Um, again, I mentioned earlier that, that Fire Lee is a, is a stage person. He is a stage r- a director. Uh, he's very active in the in the uh, drama scene. Um, and it, it really shows in robbery, a lot of the humor. Some of the set pieces are very much a a stage thing the acting is very it's almost like they're trying to project beyond the camera like they're trying to project across the entire set so so a lot of the acting is very uh uh, 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 over the top um and i think some of the set pieces don't really work as well um there's a whole thing you know about kid who want like all sort of these films a kid wanders in the store but i think that little section really sort of didn't work for me i think the ending was okay i think parts of it again didn't land some of the pacing stuff didn't quite land appropriately land as well as should it should um but it is it does try to be as inventive as it can be across the you know along the way um i think philip uh gern Homano, philip current i think totally kills it like you said um stanley Fong totally kills it um as the the old guy um and, and so is lamb should lamb should actually before this film came out he did a promotional appearance on a talk show um, on view TV and he sort of uh, let let out all the obscenity so you know exactly what to expect with lamb should and I think um, his sort of turn here um, as he goes from darker and darker and darker and I think it, it got really interesting along the way and and lamb has really kind of become this very interesting actor I think w- when he gets was given very interesting material and um, so yeah, I, I don't really feel much love for the film. I, I think it's alright. I think it's okay. It's, it's, it's amusing and 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 it is inventive in points, but I think it is too stagey and I think um it hits some rough patches along the way. I think it is a bit long, it drags a little bit. Um I think it sort of tries for these uh emotional beats that doesn't that, you know, never really earned it. And I think if you ask me, um despite the ending of Love in Time I think that film was better better made on a technical level. Um I think it was better directed on a technical level. I think that Fire Fire Lee was more successful in trying to imitate Wang Karwai at points in Love in Time, and I think that film was more effectively made uh for what it is than here. I think here he it's not that it doesn't go far enough. I think it's that there's as as many Hong commercial films, there's too much uh uh Sort of tinkering in the editing room, I think, with it. Um, it's sort of too flashy, I think, for its own good. Um, I, I think that um, style can be achieved through other ways, not through Final Cut Pro Effects Bar. Um, I think that you know style can be achieved uh, other ways, directorially, And I don't think that is the way to do it. Um, so, so it's all right. I, I don't think it's a bad film, and I'm certainly there's some very, very great performances, and there's some really good jokes. Um, and again it's, it's very much um, reflective of that sort of pessimism you know uh, film scholars talk about the pessimism um, over the uncertainty of Hong Kong in the late 90s when they watch uh, Milky Way films or films that are made in 96, 97 and I think um, uh, 20 years later you still sort of see again you see filmmakers at least locally express pessimism again through films and I think this will be studied um, in the years to come depending on the, the, the political outcome of, or Hong Kong's political future the outcome of that um depending on that and and you know hong kong where hong kong cinema goes i think this period um these couple years um these films that that very much reflect hong Kong's sort of turmoil in hong kong society and 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 the 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 uh uncertainty and the pessimism in, in the people i think it will be very much be studied, I think, in, in in film history, at least people who are interested in Hong Kong cinema. And I think this this period, including this film, will be will be talked about. Um, and that that doesn't speak anything about its quality. I just think that it is a it will be known as a somewhat. I'm not saying significantly in terms of award winning, but I think that it will be talked about in conversations uh, to come when it, when you know in talk, talking about this recent period in Hong Kong cinema but otherwise yeah no i think it's, it's an all right film it's not bad i was amused i was entertained, um and you know it was the, the warehouse uh set that they use for for the for the convenience store i actually know exactly where it is because i've ridden by there before on the bus i passed by there on the bus before when it was shooting it um uh i was still working around the area at the time so i i i, I know exactly where it is so i i was impressed and what they did with that set um, but yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a good step for, for fire Lee um, it's kind of interesting how he sort of jumped in different genres and uh, I hope that he doesn't he doesn't sort of make this his um, his style I hope that he keeps jumping around because he does write interesting things sometimes and I think this is um, uh, not a bad bad piece of work so uh, yeah I look forward to what fire Lee has has to do things coming up.
0: Listening to the East Screen West Green Podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. You have been listening to the East Screen West Screen Podcast. Theme music was composed by Rob Jabor of Schnauzer Radio Orchestra. Research has come from a variety of sources, but primarily lovehkfilm.com and the Hong Kong Movie Database. We've also had a tremendous amount of moral support from listeners like you. If you would like to be part of the show, you can get in touch with us via the website at concast.com. That's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T dot com. You can follow us over on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash congcast. Email is eastscreen at gmail.com. And you can get in touch with us over on Facebook at East S West S. You can also follow along with Kevin and what he's doing, what he's writing, what he's talking about as well. Where can they keep up with you, sir?
1: Um, you can read my work uh, on the Discovery Magazine um, on Cathay Pacific or uh, Silk Road on Dragonair flights. Um, you can uh, check out the Discovery Magazine uh, on your iPad. Uh, look up Discovery on your iPad store. Uh, you'll be able to find it there. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at the Golden Rock. Uh, that's one word, the Golden Rock. Um, or you can um, read my blog at lovehfilm.com if I ever get back to writing again. Um, or you can email me at, if you have any questions or, or if you think that I need to stop stuttering or do you, you think that, um, if you have anything that you want me to fill in any, any new stories that I want to fill in, um, email me at the golden at gmail.com. That's the golden rock, like my Twitter handle,
0: the golden at gmail.com. Excellent. Our next show will be episode one nine zero. That's one hundred ninety and I'm not sure what we're going to be doing yet. We have two new films out this week. That are, one is uh, Buddy Cops, right, with um, Bosco and uh, King Kong. Is that? Yes, right. Um, and then we've also got the romantic comedy called My Wife Is a Superstar. So uh, I'm kind of leaning towards the second one, uh, but I may not. Uh, I'm just depending on what I get, at, what I can get out to see time wise is going to determine uh, what we'll be talking about next week um not sure if i can get out to both of course we've got the big marvel elephant in the room that's kind of pushing everything up to this week uh coming out next week and that is of course uh, captain america civil war got my and, ticket uh yeah so i think we're i think we're talking about gonna hopefully do a show on that and and kind of talk a little bit about that that movie and as well as our thoughts on sort of the batman v superman and maybe just do a general you know kind of because we haven't done any a west screen film for a while maybe a you know a general discussion on hollywood in general You could maybe touch on the whole uh, scarlett johansson thing with ghost in the shell there's there's a lot of stuff going on that uh,
1: Is there going to be a special episode or do you want to do it like the news episode as well? I think I would do it just like one special
0: one-off episode without any news. We can do, and I think maybe we'll see if uh, Kozo wants to come on and, 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 you know, because he's very informed about, uh, you know, Marvel movies and and the superhero genre too. He might want to join us as well if we can. So, yeah, we'll see, uh, you know, what we can do to try and swing that once we've gotten out to – enjoy the spectacle that's going to be happening next week uh so something's going to happen yeah but uh, we should have at least one more east screen hong kong movie before then uh for next week so all of that and more on our next show until then this is the east screen west screen podcast saying don't forget your popping candy and we'll see you next time see you next time everybody